Welcome to the Ryan and Nate's Business Podcast. Come listen to these two blue-collar business guys. Nate, your go-to automotive repairer, and Ryan, your local heating and air contractor, talk about business, how to help you, and hear stories from our local unsung heroes. Community matters to them, and so does a healthy business. Here's Ryan and Nate. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Ryan and Nate podcast. We're interviewing Jesse today, and Nate has got the introduction. Well, Jesse is a good friend of mine, so that's why I get a chance to take to take this guy. Um, Jesse's on our podcast today because Jesse has spent years investing in residential and commercial properties uh, here in his hometown of Catonsville. I mean, we'll call it our hometown too. It's it's there's there's a good rivalry between two one two two eight and two one two two seven. We won't hold it against you, Jesse, that you've decided to make your home in two one two two eight. But we consider those family as well. Um, for the last few years, he's been doing a uh, he's he's been leading a company uh, called Seville Properties with residential and commercial management of properties, and so that's why we got him on the show today. Um, he does a great job at creating a hassle-free experience for people so that they can have properties, have them be profitable, and he can take out all the friction points, all those calls late at night. And uh, the other reason why I love this guy is he does he does so much stuff. He's an athlete. He's ridden across the country on a bicycle. We might talk about that just a little bit. There's not many people that have done that, so we got to bring that up. That's part of your history. He's a house hacker, a landlord, property manager, general renaissance man, and someone who never pays retail, uh, which I respect a lot because you always have a deal. You always have a deal cooking and brewing, and I love that about you. Um, so, yeah, I want to start out with that. What's, what's the deal you got going on right now? I know you got something. You're, you're, you're either buying chickens or a scooter or something at a, at a deal. So what's going on there? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, anytime I get a chance to talk business, real estate, uh, it's, it's a good day. So happy, happy to be here. Deal currently, we're you know we've been trying to get a place down in Myrtle Beach for over a year now, and so we did get one under contract. It's a uh, it's a duplex that uh, we are planning to live at this upcoming summer for a good portion, renovate it, um, and yeah, make make one of the units a rental, and so. Uh, very excited about that and, and getting that one. Hopefully, March thirteenth, we should be closing on it. So plan. So, so you you got a vacation home, but you also are house hacking that. That's that's the plan. Yeah. It's got to pay. So, it's got to pay for itself, right? <laughs> yeah. Define d- define how you were the one that taught me house hacking. So define that real quick in case someone doesn't know what house hacking means. Yeah, that's a term that you know. W- we kind of did it before I even really knew what it was. Um, back in, in 2013, we, we purchased kind of a bizarre home that was basically a 2006 apartment bolted on top of a 1950s rancher. And so, yeah, from day one, we were really renting out that apartment, uh, for rental income and, and got to move into a much bigger house, uh, and actually lower our, um, living expenses. And so yeah, house hacking is finding way, creative ways to, uh, produce income from a property. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, we started that back in 2013 was our first foray into that before it was cool before it actually was called house hacking, I think. Uh, so with your company, um, so you're going to be living, 
are you taking a trailer down to North Carolina? How are you doing that? Yeah, so it's in it's in South Carolina. And when I say live down there, we're not gonna just be there full time, but we South. Yeah. Okay, north. Yeah, so we um, we will definitely be. Dr- I go down to the ocean, hun. You know what I'm saying? I don't go to. I'm not. <laughs> Your I'm not rich enough like you. Oh, geez. Yeah, so. If you saw what this place <laughs> looked like, you would you would realize uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of value add opportunity. We'll say that. But yeah, so we're gonna. I'm gonna drive my Dodge. Nate knows about my Dodge. We're gonna bring it down there. Bring my tools. And did you um, buy this? Did you buy this thing through uh, pictures? Um, we got it under contract. Actually, there was only two pictures. Uh, one of the keys to finding good deals is like bizarre postings and postings that people would look past. Um, and so there was two pictures. And so I, I bought it, had two, maybe three days of due diligence. It, the market is super aggressive down there. And so we had to, you know, you got to use your competitive advantage. So we we did two days of due diligence, I think. So you drive down there? Flew down there. To do your due diligence? Okay, flew down there. Yeah, I think I talked to Nate yeah. that day. I like flew straight from Houston there and had to buy a couple of tools uh, from Home Depot when I was down there to do the inspection. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, Ryan, what you don't know about Jesse is he never pays to fly anywhere because he has flown so many places in his That's career true. that um, he has he has uh, air miles that his great-grandchildren will still be trying to figure out ways to use at any Three. given moment. Tell me about that, Hack. How do you do that one? I just... Because I got a Southwest card. Yeah, I, uh, I've traveled. I do a lot of short-term travel um, for work for a company that that develops retirement communities all over the country. And so I fly, you know, I'm on the road day and a half a week, but it's, uh, it ends up being a lot of flights. And so pretty much exclusively do Southwest. So if it's anywhere Southwest flies, which Myrtle Beach is one of those places, uh, you can pretty much get there for free for a long time with the number of points I have. Yeah, I just flew for free to Arizona and Indiana, but um, I, I'm pretty much almost out of points now. So that was short-lived. You have to step up your game, man. <laughs> yeah, I had like 50,000 points or maybe yeah. 80,000 points. How many points you got, dude? Straight up. It's uh, right around 1.5 mil, million points. Oh, my. Dang. Dude, can you can you Venmo me a couple of those? Sure. Yeah, that, dude. You is there, a way, out is there a way to do that? <laughs> I, I've got a coworker oh who's God. who's got four million plus points, more than you know, and he's in his seventies. It's like he, yeah, a lot of points. Wow. So, did you start um, Seaville Properties with a business partner, or was it all on your own? How? Um, tell me about that journey. Yeah. So, as we started growing our portfolio, started out residential, moved into multifamily, commercial, uh, multi-unit commercial, as it started to grow. There was a point a few years ago where I was, you know, bootstrapping it, running around like crazy, picking up rent checks and just all the stuff when you get, you don't have systems or processes in place. Right. And so, yeah, with a partner, uh, started having conversations about first and foremost, using my properties, uh, to be kind of the Guinea pig on creating a, a process a, a system around, our management. And so, yeah, it's been about a year really building out that process and starting to air gap myself uh, individually from the properties and, and deferring more to the systems, right. And software platform. And uh, so, yeah, that was really, it was kind of built out of necessity. And then as that started 
to take a massive burden off of our plate. It started, you know, tenants are happier, we're happier, properties are doing better. It just started to make sense to offer it as a, a service for other folks because, you know, as Nate said, it's property management, you know, it's got such a bad stigma, right? Toilets in the middle of the night, all that kind of stuff. But um, if you do it right and and you run run it well, it really can be a great relationship with tenants. It can be great for, for businesses. You know, you're, you're a partner with the businesses, um, that operate out of the, the buildings and, and properties. Um, and so we, we view it very much like that. And we try to bring that as a service to other folks who've maybe inherited properties, don't feel like dealing with it or trying to move to Florida. And they've got this asset that they want to maintain, but it can become a lot. Um, so that was really how it started and how we kind of transitioned into offering that to third parties. So you had, how many, so the business manages your companies or your, your properties, but then you also have other, um, you have other clients that are utilizing your services. What's the split on that currently? Um, it's, it's becoming more and more skewed towards third party properties. You know, we manage roughly 65, you know, call it units or, you know, we, we manage a very vast portfolio. I mean, like things from storage units, commercial kitchens, um, yeah, residential retail, uh, uh, an ice cream shop is one of our tenants. So it's, you know, the full gamut. Um, but yeah, it's starting to skew heavier, uh, towards, towards third party properties. Yeah. If you, Ryan, I'm not sure if you know this about Jesse, but like he doesn't have, there's probably not very many things that are just normal houses or businesses. It's always going to be something weird. Like it's going to be, if there's a building somewhere where the front door opens up into, and there's like a toilet there, yeah, Jesse, yeah. Jesse would manage that. He'd be like, we'll figure yeah. out how we could make this right. work. It's just, there's, there's just always like odd properties, like super weird situations. It's all, it's all about finding the value in overlooked properties, right? Overlooked assets in general, right? That's, that's what investing is all about is fine. Seeing the gold in, in things and bringing out the gold in properties that are overlooked or run into disrepair or, you know, toilet in the middle of the living room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you, um, so are you fielding all these phone calls? Who fields all these phone calls? Cause there's going to be a lot of them, especially when it's really hot or really cold, you know, pipes bursting, air conditioners breaking. Yeah, I mean, we have a software platform that we use first and foremost. So, so tenants have the ability to upload maintenance requests, provide photos, provide information. And we're able to you know, field that. Obviously, this software helps create tickets that we can either source ourselves, source to an outside contractor. Um, but, you know, by and large, so many of the issues that tenants come across can be fielded by the tenant. And a big part of what we do is make sure that we know everything about the properties we manage, um, what what appliances are there, make model serial number, so that you know those eighty five percent of things that are super simple for a tenant to fix just through you know twenty years of experience in facilities and real estate. I just I, I know how to very seamlessly and painlessly um, solve eighty five percent of the problems. You know it's not often that you just have significant electrical issues in a house, right? It's normally nuisance. Hey, the garbage disposal's not running. Well, there's a reset button on the bottom. Maybe something got stuck in it. Try just resetting that. Um, 
the old wooden spoon trick, right? If something gets stuck in there, have you ever tried turning turning a garbage disposal with a wooden spoon? That 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 solves ninety percent of garbage disposal issues. Um, and Dude, so I usually, I usually try to stick my hand down in there. Which yeah, is not not, wise. not advisable. Yeah, yeah. But now for most of the simple stuff, we we generally can help walk a tenant through resolving majority of their issues. But yeah, that's all coming through um, the property management software and app that logs it, tracks it. We can provide status updates and. Uh, you know, send it out to, to be dealt with. Sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I had a conversation earlier today with a air conditioning company down the road that we may want to acquire, may not. Um, but, you know, he's talked a lot about how he's never had really great administrative support and having the good administrative support and providing you know, the CRM software and making it, build it out to where it's efficient and stuff like that. Um, it really helps. And it takes a long time to do that. It ta- it's a very, very tedious job, which typically people like us don't like to deal with. Um, but if you can get behind and, and give that administrative support and have a CRM that, that has, um, you know, do all the work of putting model numbers in and having the contact of the, you know, whoever needs contacted on both ends. I mean, you know, that's really where it is. And that's, that's, that's the system. And mm-hmm. that's the system that you can always, you know, make a little bit better. And that's why I, I like CRMs that are more of an open, you know, a blank slate. You know, I don't like CRMs that, Hey, you have to run your business this way. Um, those are great for people who need held hand, um, hold hand, their hand held. But, um, I maybe I don't know you extremely well, but it sounds like you're an ideas guy. And when you have a good idea, you like to implement it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to your point, there's such a difference between owning a job and owning a business. Right. And I, it's something I struggle with all the time, but I, it was born out of necessity for me because I owned a job. I was running around treating it like a hobby. And as, as it scaled, it just was becoming unmanageable. And so I had to step back and work on the system, work on building the business versus just creating more and more of a job, right? And so, yes, software platforms, we live in an age where technology can do so much uh, for us. And so I'm I'm a big proponent for streamlining whenever possible. If something's becoming painful or taking too much time, my partner and I are immediately looking for opportunities to streamline it. Um, yeah, if, if, if you're generating more and more revenue and you're becoming, it's becoming more and more unmanageable, then there's opportunity there, right? To streamline processes, something needs to get better uh, in the system. And so that's, that's what we are really aggressive with is just looking for opportunities to make things as painless for us, the tenant, uh, the property owner as possible. Yeah. Are you, um, do you feel like you're, I say like, are you at capacity now or like with, with two people with you and your partner, are you, could you take on, if, if someone came to you and said, Hey, I got 10 properties, I just inherited these from my grandfather. Could you take 10 properties and manage them? Or are you at capacity? Would you have to hire more people? Could you take, could you take 50 new properties? Yeah. I mean, we want to be wise about you know, we don't want to do anything that's not going to be a really great fit for us. Uh, we want to, anything we do, we want to do with excellence, right? So if it's properties in the Midwest or something, you know, that we wouldn't be able to really do well, we, w- we wouldn't, we wouldn't take that on. Uh, we are definitely not at capacity. Like I said, we are constantly working on 
streamlining those process. So as you know, there's the ramp ups anytime you have like a bump in revenue where you bring on a handful of properties. Like this last month, we brought on a couple properties and there's just all these little kinks that we continue to work out and, and streamline and get better with that. Yeah, no, the plan is to continue optimizing. And then as, as we need to bring on folks, if that's the route we end up going, we will, but no, we're definitely not at capacity or even close to it. Are, are they mostly Catonsville? The vast majority in Catonsville. Um, we, that's okay. kind of our home base. Um, you know, all of my properties are in Catonsville, but we do have a presence in Baltimore city, some in Anne Arundel County, um, Howard County, but yeah, all, all within kind of that central Maryland. Yeah. You, and a while ago you told me like, cause I asked you this, I know your personal properties, you're really centered in, in the two, one, two, two, eight. Like why, why Catonsville? Why, why two, one, two, two, eight? Why, why did you, why did you say this is the opportunity here? So I went to, or came up here, went to UMBC back in 2000. So I've actually been in Catonsville now more than half of my life, longer than I, I haven't lived in Catonsville. And we just, we love it. It's, it's a great area. It's close to the city, but it's also backed up to, you know, a massive state park, which I know you're a mountain biker, Nate, like it's such an amazing resource. Um, and then I just, I love the business district, a uh, lot of old historic buildings, which come with plenty of, of headaches, but you know, these hundred year old, um, summer houses from folks who lived in Baltimore city been converted to multi-unit commercial properties and, uh, just a really neat downtown historic area. And I just, I really like it. I like the businesses that operate out of it. It's got a very much a small town feel, but also close to restaurants and all the amenities you get when you're in a, you know, more city environment. So run me through, um, what's a good deal? What's a bad deal when buying a house? Like for me, I was told if you buy the house for 200,000, the mortgage is going to be roughly around a thousand bucks. So then you need to be able to rent it for $2,000, which is double. Um, is that true? Is it not true? Um, what do you consider to be a good deal and how do you find deals? Hmm. So, you know, the rule of thumb you're referencing, I, I always think rule, rule of thumbs are, are valuable, right? And HVAC, you've got your, uh, your rule of thumb for, for size and equipment, right? But, um, really to evaluate deals as, as I started to evolve and understand the numbers better, you create systems and spreadsheets that can really do a deep dive, uh, just a rough pass, right? If I see a property that, uh, you know, say it's a $200,000 property for the, for me to even really want to dig into running numbers on it, I'd need to be able to get $2,000 a month, uh, rent for the property in, in Catonsville, um, in our area. And that is a general rule of thumb that people reference all over the country, but you know, just as a, at our first pass, if you can get 1% of that property price on a monthly rent, it's probably worth doing a, a deeper dive in, in the numbers. Um, as far as finding deals, you know, I find deals. Yeah. In all kinds of different ways. Very few of them are on the MLS and through traditional means, you know, just it's like any business, right. It's very relationship based. Yeah, you're talking about the yeah, my dad my dad flipped houses for a long time and he always said like, you know, the majority of houses we flip are someone's, you know, parent died and then we, you know, we decided, hey, you know, through a connection of a connection, we're going to flip it and sell it for more. So that's like 
what he built his business off of um, until the fall of 2008. Um, and, and then since 2008, he's, he just switched to kitchens, bathrooms, basements. Um, but uh, how did you find the Myrtle Beach deal? Because that's, I mean, that's, that's a far ways away. I mean, I would always love to have a place down um, in Ocean City. Now, I've been going down to the Ocean Hunt for many, many years. I this year, her uh, my um, my in laws they had a place in Ocean City, but they sold it this year. So um, this year we're going to North Carolina. So I'm going to experience that, you know. And it's maybe like, what's a good analogy, Nate? Like the analogy is like I was in like a bad situation, but I didn't know it, and then I go to like a good situation. There's got to be a reference here. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to follow you, buddy. I, I, I'm usually great for a movie reference. Um, I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. All right. Well, you failed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally failed. <laughs> but um, you know, it's like all I know is Ocean City. I know the places to go. Yada yada. Um, so we're going to go to North Carolina this uh, this summer, which I'm excited about. We'll see how much better it is to me. The ocean's just waves and sand. How much better can it get? Um, so we'll see the you know the the difference. But how did you find this place? So we had been looking for better part of a year. I spent a ton of time, you know, just obviously MLS Craigslist Facebook Marketplace just getting a feel for what pricing was like down there. And then I took numerous trips and would just spend the day down there. It's an hour flight. Um, and so I would spend the day driving neighborhoods, getting a, you just really getting the lay of the land. Um, I kind of viewed it like I do, you know, in Catonsville, I pretty much know what a property is worth, what, you know, when properties are going to go on the market, like it, it's, it's my area. And so I tried to treat, this, this kind of small niche town down there in the same way. And so I just made myself an expert in the area and this property popped up. We jumped on it. Like I said, and we're very aggressive. It's like, you know, we got two or three days of due diligence and um, yeah, cause it is still with the COVID craziness and people wanting to get down into, you know, more, more people can work from home, right? So they're looking at, beach destination type places more. And it's, it's been super competitive. And so we were very happy that we found this place at this price point. It's going to be a ton of work, but you know, I'm always up, always up for a challenge. And that's, that's where the opportunities at the value add is taking something that needs a whole lot of love and, and, you know, getting it, getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Um, do you say no to more deals than you say yes to? (laughs) Because for me, I'm an optimist, and yeah. I, I think I couldn't do your job, and um, because I would just figure out, like, oh, I'll figure out on paper a way to make it work. And the reality is, is probably shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm not pessimistic at all. I'm always like, oh yeah, we're going to make it work. We'll figure it out. So, um, I would so, yeah. say, I would say that I get a lot of no's. Um, so many no's. I mean, we probably put. 15 offers in down in Myrtle beach. And just for us, because we have very strict criteria and we try to not be emotional, just, just stick with the numbers that doesn't, those numbers don't work for a lot of people. It's gotta be a unique situation. And so we get told no a whole lot. 
Um, by the time it's, it gets to a point where, you know, we've put in an, an offer on a place, we've got a pretty high confidence level that if they accept the offer, you know, our goal is to make it work from there. I'm not looking for reasons to, to walk away at that point. I'm looking for reasons uh, to make it work. Um, and that could be yeah, renegotiating based on what I find at, during the inspection or yeah, navigate. There's all kinds of situations navigating with existing tenants that are in the property. This property has two existing tenants and dealing, working through that. But yeah, I'm looking typically for, for reasons to say yes, not, not for reasons to walk away. Do you deal with, um, you said earlier, like someone might inherit properties. Um, I, I'm recently like my, my parents are getting to the place where they're trying to plan for retirement. They have multiple properties and um, they were just discussing with me the fact that they are setting up a trust to deal with that. Um, do you, have you, have you in your course of this business, have you dealt with anyone that has like a trust that you have to deal with where they have multiple properties they've inherited and they don't know what they're doing about it. Um, and then your company can come in and, and, and give them a hand. Yeah, we actually, within the past couple of months, brought on two post offices that were basically handed down in a trust. We helped the owners navigate getting that, you know, into an LLC versus the trust so that we could manage it for them. And so we are actually managing two post offices that were, were in a trust, um, I told you we got it's a real mixed bag. We got all, Dude, all kinds I of would never not have guessed that. <laughs> it's so yeah, I mean, you're there's, the there's, oddest. It, like yeah. if someone if someone's got an odd situation, you're like you're like seem like the guy to go to. Yeah, our, our tagline has always been you know different kind of property management because it really we are not the big box cookie cutter like we want to have a hundred residential doors and you know it's we help we help property owners get navigate challenging situations. And a lot of that has to do with how, how you get kind of a bizarre property or something that's got a unique um, tenant pool, right? How, how you can help get that property stabilized, operating well for them, finding tenants in some of these more challenging types of uh, situations. Uh, that just tends to be what we do best because that's primarily how you know, my portfolio uh, was developed. And that's where our expertise is, is trying to make, make things that seem very difficult uh, get it, get it done for the property owner and help, help make it as painless as possible. Sweet. So when it's not cookie cutter like that, it, is everyone uniquely charged or, I mean, I'm not asking you like what your prices are, but like, you know, do you approach each one uniquely with a different price or is it, yeah, we do things, you know, we handle the weird stuff, but this is what we charge for the weird stuff. It's X. Yeah. So it, Really, everything is looked at on a case by case scenario. If, if if someone brings to us a single uh, family home, they've got one property they want us to manage. We're very much in line with the industry, and that roughly is ten percent of gross rent, one month, you know, placement fee. Um, yeah, one one month's rent for a placement uh, for tenants. But when you're bringing on properties, you know, with owners who've got five, six properties, or a multi unit property that's got seven or eight tenants. Um, we, we evaluate all of it. We want to make it work for both of us. Um, so it's, yes, everything's evaluated based on rent roll, the complexity, number of tenants, number of individual you know, structures, right? Some of them are, you know, multiple sites. These, these two post offices are three or four miles apart from one another. Um, so yeah, it is kind of on a one-off, uh, basis. Yeah. I think uh, we've said this before. Um, you and I have talked about this before, but 
I'm a big proponent of the finding win-wins um, for everyone. And I feel like you do a good job of that, of looking at unique, challenging situations and creating win-wins for everyone. Like, you, you know, Seville Properties has to win. Uh, the, the, the owner of the property has to win. And then the tenant, you know, ultimately you're, you're doing all this and they're the ones that are actually benefiting from, from, from it as well. So there's like three people that have to win in your situation. So I don't know if you, you, you do unique things to make that happen. Do you have any good stories? Any good stories about making win, win, wins? I'm a big believer in business in general, that it doesn't have to be a winner and a loser. You know, if, if, Mm -hmm. if someone walks away from a deal, a transaction and feels like they're, they lost, that's not going to be a great relationship. And it's certainly not going to be someone who's providing repeat business or speaking highly about the experience. So I think just in general, trying to make it a win, win for all the parties involved. Um, so yeah, I mean, just examples, some of the things that we've dealt with in, in doing that is just people have interesting problems that they, you know, they've got a property, like I said, that's in disrepair and it's got a really disagreeable tenant that's there. How can we help this person sell off this asset? Um, you know, to us, we, right. Our, our hope is that we can purchase this property. How do we work out and get this tenant what they want? Maybe it's to leave. Maybe it's, they just want you to give them $500 and they want to leave. Um, you know, it's, it's navigating those situations. Those, those deals that are challenging the, you know, the not the outside the box ones, that's where the real opportunity for me has always been is that's something that 95% of people aren't touching, right? That's not the first time home buyer who's, who's lined up ready to put an offer in on that. It's people who are like going to get their hands dirty and there's not a lot, there's not a lot of folks like that out there. And so, yeah, we have navigated some very interesting uh, situations. Um, that even down in Myrtle Beach and pursue, pursuing a property down in Myrtle Beach, there was one where it was a very combative tenant who was heavily armed in the house, like assault rifles around the house. And I, I went down to do the inspection and it was it was so awkward. But, you know, there I mean, yeah, th- that property, I did that one time. <laughs> it, it is, um, you know, there were a lot of people walking away from the property because it was like, you're going to have to inherit this tenant and he is going to make this so painful for you. But to me, that's opportunity. It's like, what does this guy want, you know, and, and how can we try to um, navigate it? And so, yeah, we run into all Ryan, kinds of Ryan, stuff. it sounds like that's, that, that sales call you and I went on, Ryan. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy was a special case. Um, he's, he had F your feelings really big, like on a flag in front of his house. He was, he was, he, was he had, he had, he had uh, five massive dogs and firearms. It was... Uh, yeah. It's always nice fun walking in. When walking you, in people's it, homes is insane sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jesse, man, do you have, um, do you have any, any parting w- words of wisdom to somebody who uh, wants to start a business and, and, and make, a, make a shift from what they were doing to being, becoming a little more independent. Yes. Right now I'm reading Robert Kiyosaki's book, Cashflow Quadrant. I'm a big fan of his. I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a number of his other books uh, over the years, but this is the first time I've read this one and it is excellent. What do you think about Grant Cardone? Do like him at all? <laughs> he, Grant Cardone, he's interesting. He kind of reminds me of Trump. He's, uh, you know, he's very full of bluster, um, but he's yeah. successful. I mean, he's, you know, he's a his whole ten x methodology. Scientologist too. Is he? Oh, go yep. figure. 
But now he's, I mean, yeah, he's, I really liked him because in his one of his books, he was like, I'm one of the biggest donors in my church. I was like, oh, cool. This guy, you know, he's got religion or whatever. And then it's like, oh, you're a Scientologist. That's that that changes everything. It's a little <laughs> weird. But yeah. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's great. And what other books you were saying? Yeah. The Cash Flow Quadrant, to, to answer Nate's question, talks a lot about um, there's four quadrants it's E, S, B and I. So on the left side of the quadrant is employee and self-employed. Self-employed is essentially what a large number of small business owners who say, I own a business are really self-employed, right? Meaning if you don't show up to work, nothing's happening, right? You're not getting paid. And the right side of the quadrant is business and investor. And that's actually building a business or a process, a system that you know, Nate, I know you talk about this, like you're stepping out and you're working on the business versus being the key cog in making it the business work. Um, and then investment, obviously, we're, we're talking real estate. There's lots of different types of investment, but uh, it, it's an excellent book for helping you identify whether or not you are actually self-employed or you actually own a business um, and, and ways that you can kind of shift, make that shift from from the left side of the quadrant to the right side. It, it definitely takes a paradigm shift. And for me personally, I am a, a bootstrapper. Nate said a, a do-it-yourselfer. And it, it's a daily decision to not, you know, jump back into the business, right? And go take care of things myself. I have to be more intentional about working on the business and making it more repeatable and a process versus just, oh, it's easier. I'll just take care of this, you know? So yeah, it's an excellent yeah. book. Anybody who wants to get into business or thinks you own a business, but maybe you own a job, it's a good it's a good eye opener. Yeah, no, it's good. At least to, to have eyes wide open as to where you are. It's a journey yeah. and it's okay if that's where you're at to Absolutely. start with. Um, some people are content to be there for a long time, but really it's good. A lot of businesses need to start to make that shift towards having it be able to run without them because we're not all going to be here forever. And, right. um, and, and the business, if you want it to, you know, be able to be passed on to maybe, another generation or to be sold, it's so much more valuable if it can run on its own without mm -hmm. you. If it's really hard to sell, it's really hard to, to, to find a buyer when that buyer needs to look and have the same exact talents as you because they need to come and fit inside this little round hole that you've made for yourself. Yeah, so. exactly. Cool. Well, thank you for teaching us, you know, a thing or two about your world, man, because your world is really tough um, and you're doing everything you can to help people. So I think it's really cool. Thank you for being on our podcast, how can people reach out to you is what you're going to ask, Nate. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you can find how us. Can people reach out to you. Find us via our website, uh, cvillprops.com or on Facebook, Seville uh, Properties, LLC. It just it, want to talk real estate, have questions about the Catonsville market, Baltimore property management. We're open. We love talking about this stuff and we're happy to help you uh, any way we can. Sweet, man. All right, man. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.